here with Lee McGilvery, also known as uh, Flo the Arrow. Um, it's me and David, and we're up in Lee's flat in Glasgow. So, how you doing? Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Feeling good. Super. That's the awkward bit that we uh, always yeah, have to kind of get out the road, the wee intro. It's never great, and it's none of really like doing that part. It's just whoever gets it, they yeah. end up a so You've got to set the stage. Ah, exactly. Man. So, just go right back to the start. Where did music start for you? Is there an earliest kind of memory of when you kind of went, oh, fuck, we like that, or, or whatever it was? Yeah, well, like, uh, fond memories growing up, and my mum really listened to like, country and soul music. Um, we had done a spring cleaning, and the windows open, the sun shining through, <laughs> and just... Uh, over the years, even though by the time I picked up the guitar when I was 13, I was going through the, the punk and metal phase mm-hmm. and all that, uh-huh. I still always had that undying love for it. Um, uh, so I suppose I always enjoyed singing. And then by the time it was my mid-teens, um, I was kind of looking uh, for you know, a band. But being in there, there wasn't too many people there to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I eventually picked up the acoustic guitar and started writing my own songs. And I suppose the older I'm getting and, and the more I'm going into it, the more I'm discovering that kind of deep-rooted love for a country and, and yeah. folk music mm-hmm. and developing my own idea for it. Um, yeah, so it's certainly just fond, fond memories from, from the youngest age. And now I'm more developing into... That childlike nature of just <laughs> happiness <laughs> through playing music, which is know? great, isn't it? Yeah, it's just brilliant, tr- man. When you're into what you're, when you play yeah. what you're into, that was exactly how I kind of first started getting into music as well. My mum, like as you say, that spring clean. My mum mm-hmm. playing like country music in the background. It was aye, but. Sorry, for me it was like fucking Kenny Rogers and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Rogers. My dad used to play all that, and I, said, I don't know where it was randomly on a Sunday or something. It'd be silver kind of radio, a kind of handheld one back in the eighties mm-hmm. when he used to batter like Kenny Rogers and whatever it was through. Uh, I think it was bad. Kenny Rogers anyway. So when, when did you first pick up the guitar? Then thirteen, you said. Thirteen, I uh, honestly, I think it was uh, when my mum finally got uh, like Sky TV and got all the Kerrang channels and all that, yeah, that was when I was first kind of exposed to all that really. Uh, and then obviously come that Christmas I was like, you know, I learned my first electric guitar and uh, yeah, just really picked up. Uh, I, I got lessons, a couple at the beginning, but I eventually just taught myself over the years and found my own style, and uh, which, you know, over a while probably picked up loads of bad habits. I could have learned in different ways, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't regret like how how majority of, of how I've came about it, you know. So did you start with like you know wanting to play like kind of heavier stuff, with distortion up, cranked and all that? Was that what you were into when you first got into the guitar, or were you kind of did that take time, or did you start using kind of acoustic stuff and all that? Or yeah. Was it straight into your kind of metal kind of sound, like? Certainly in the earlier years, yeah. uh, like maybe thirteen to fifteen, it was kind of heavy rock, uh, and then it was going more into more progressive stuff, more kind of licky and and uh, yeah. yeah, and then. Kind of after maybe 16, 17, it was more kind of like kind of indie, kind of math rock type material. Mm-hmm. So I always tried to be make things harder for myself mm-hmm. and try and learn all this technical yep. stuff that was probably past my ability. And that's kind of still what I do to this day on the acoustic guitar when I'm changing all these tunings. And you kind of make it harder on yourself, but it's worth it when you eventually learn. Mm-hmm. But it's still definitely, you know, I'm always going to have that undying love for the, you know, the heavier rock stuff. But uh, most of my listening is endorsed in like folk music and, and other styles these days. But uh, it's nice to have came for there and uh, yeah. you know slowly just developed it and toning it down a little bit mm. uh, as I go you know and just kind of refining your songwriting and your playing um, which is like another bad habit that I've picked up from trying to be too progressive and too technical you know mm-hmm. and so you mentioned there that it was quite difficult to kind of try and find bands and stuff in there was it did you just feel it was uh, 
I don't know. Like, why? Why did you find it quite difficult to find a find a band? Um, well, it was a kind of like particular niche genre, really. Mm. You know, the kind of more kind of techno, like screamy, kind of indie math rock stuff. You know, there was only like a very small scene of people that I knew that done it, and they were all a couple years older than me and had their own bands. You know, mm. the kind of people that I looked up to growing up, and had all these cool bands, and I always wanted to make my own. You know, but mm. um, by the time I was just wanting to leave from here. Uh, I just, you know, hadn't found them yet, and I was like, I'm fed up waiting around uh, to find people, you know, you've just, I just realised you've got to create something, and then things will come from that, which is still something I'm expressing through everything I'm learning now, mm-hmm. but uh, yes, I just decided to write some songs and give myself a name, and uh, go forth, and like, build a band as I go, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of what I do is myself, but I mm-hmm. want to build a, a sound on record that I can then replicate, yeah live and mm-hmm. also have the option to have a band and play myself you touched in your name there so where did that come from was it just something you came up with does it get a particular meaning for you then it's kind of it's revealing itself as I go mm-hmm. if you know what I mean right. I, I was always one for like big lists and I've still got big lists these days of just anything like a nice uh, small quote or a couple of words or, or a title uh, and there's things that I'll use for titles or to spark an idea or to spark a line or, or a concept and uh, so I just knew that I wanted some some sort of name, and Flew the Arrow was something that I, you know, I'd made up, probably after watching some anime or something like that. Cause I was good for watching a lot of anime at the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just to write down loads of stuff that here for that, just because uh, you know something that was slightly profound. Why did you feel you needed a name of your kind of solo artist at at heart? Really, why did you feel you needed a name rather than just going as Lee? Yeah, well, I, I never thought my name was, was anything to... I thought it was just a regular Scottish name, like, you know, bland enough. Most people give themselves a name, and I, I didn't want it to be about me, or be about ego, or be, like, my face on the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, my songs are quite conceptual. I go quite deep into it lyrically, and that's, like, the main aspect for me. And uh, these kind of revolving concepts and, and kind of artistry, like, imagery, is what I, I try uh, to achieve, really. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about your lyrics, one of the kind of things I was wanting to ask you is like, listen to your music. You're quite, you're quite open, and you're quite, you know, you you don't seem to hide. If you if you want to write with something, you write about it, whether it's a feeling or whatever. Is that something that you struggled with at the start, and you're kind of getting more used to? Because I know writing songs for myself, I would maybe go, oh, I can't say that because that will make me look like this or whatever. And I was quite paranoid about it. Is, is that anything you've ever have you ever had that, or does it just that you've always been quite comfortable with it? Uh, I'm still evolving with it and discovering that aspect of my songwriting, you know, it's it's like a skill that you're you're owning over the years. Um, at first I certainly wasn't sure exactly what I was trying to say. I never found it easy to talk about my emotions mm-hmm. directly, mm-hmm. you know, like writing a soppy love song and be like, you know, I'm sad and all this. But the way that I see folk music and writing these days is... Um, you know, they used to write folk songs to pass down traditions and melodies and, and messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, this, in this day and age, uh, like climate change and the way the world is and everything, uh, I feel that is something that, as a folk artist, we really need to project and, and touch on rather than just writing another love song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly all my new songs have been more along that, that concept, you know what I mean? So I find it easier to talk about something that I care about passionately rather yeah. than talk about myself, you know, because... I've not got my name on it. I don't particularly want to talk about my emotions, but I want to talk about projected messages. Things that matter to you. Mm-hmm. You know, things like internally deep inside their own psyches, you know, and connecting with the world and, and everyone else and outwards as well, yep. and taking action and realising what we need to do. 
So I feel like the artistry and the imagery and the concepts and everything I'm trying to do, like lyrically and musically, is just try to project this this you know conceptual message of the way that the world is. Mm-hmm. So I'm still discovering it. The more I'm finding out about the world and the more passionate I'm becoming, you know. And I probably will write songs further down the line when I discover how to be in touch mm-hmm. entirely with my own emotions, you know, exactly to know really how I'm feeling to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But for most of the time, it's all up in there, and I feel great most of the time. So <laughs> I feel good most of the time. So it's kind it's of a good thing, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good and it's a blessing. But uh, you know, a lot of you know soulful songs come from you know you know downtrodden souls. You know, people that are really feeling heartache, and uh, that's gonna come eventually. And I'll probably write songs about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for now, <clears throat> with the name "Flew the Arrow" and the concept and the songs, it's all this kind of like jigsaw puzzle. I'm um, trying to convey where we're at spiritually on this this world, like where we're at as human beings and where we're going and where we've come from. Uh, that's exactly what I've just wrote a, whole, a new song about. Right. Uh, after reading a book called The Celestine Prophecy. Um, yeah. So I could talk forever. <laughs> so we're here for. That's what we're here for. Yeah. How do you how do you go about uh, writing a song? Because obviously you've got your your guitar parts are always they're quite complex. So then, how do you do you are you writing guitar parts first? Are you writing lyrics first? How do you how do you work it? I've actually got like loads of lyrics and bits and bobs and ideas that I've got written down, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that they're, they're there, but I never end up using them because by the time I've started writing a new song on guitar, there's like a new thought or feeling um, that I'm 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 trying to touch on, and the lyrics just kind of come into place mm-hmm. with that. So I just end up writing new ones for it, you know. Right. And sometimes I'll take a line from an old bit or a little, a little insight for something I've written down uh, and try and form it. But uh, usually it does come from the guitar work, you know, because every time I write a new song, I try to find a different tuning. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't express myself enough in standard tuning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like it had all been done and anything that I do play would just be rep- replicating anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that open tunings, like, I was a lot more expressive. And uh, you just got a nice kind of mantra on the go with mm-hmm. with the openness, and it gives you a lot more creativity and freedom. Um, so you can set moods with tunes, can't you? If you've got yeah. a kind of you know, if you change the tune to dead low, you can set a kind yeah. of a, a kind of well, I don't know what yeah. to say how to describe it, but you can set kind of different moods and get yourself kind of up. And I, I quite like that as yeah. well. Using the tunes, man. I mean, every emotion is a frequency, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, every tune you're displaying on the guitar is resonating at a certain frequency like mm-hmm. that's something I believe a lot in and when I say spirituality like I was talking about earlier I'm not talking about religion or that I'm talking about the realisation of the way that the world is constructed and the way vibration works and how life is actually here you know and uh, I like to tie it in with all the, the frequency and the guitar work you know you're just creating such a powerful message and an emotion through frequency through yeah. a piece of wood and some strings you know so that's why that's where I see the beauty of it, and why each time I write a song, I create a new platform, uh, you know, to play with by changing a, a new tuning. Yeah. Even if it's just one string or nice. two strings, um, sometimes I'll maybe learn a new song and, and a song that I like, and then I'll, I'll you know just figure it out and, and write a song. And uh, two of my new songs, which I've written quite fast, like uh, compared to my songs in the past that have taken me like a year or so to write. Um, I've been writing now more so now than ever, uh, but yeah, these two new songs just were two new tunes and they just got written so quickly and uh, I'm so happy. I'm pretty chuffed with them. I'm doing my best songs now. You know. <laughs> Why do you think it is kind of coming so quickly to you just now? Do you think you're just opened yourself up a wee bit more to it instead of second guessing everything, or are you just are you just in that place at the moment? 
Yeah, I think it's just been a really good year, you know, a few ups and downs and stuff, but uh, as I'm slowly, I can see myself evolving in certain parts of my life and uh, I'm just, just trying try to harness it all really, you yeah. know, so certain aspects are coming out and opportunities are arising, like uh, co-writing opportunities, which I've been presented with recently. Uh, I wrote a song with a girl called Scarlett Randall. Yeah. And uh, she's, she just got signed as well. She's doing well for herself. And uh, as a publisher that hooked us up, and uh, I'd never wrote a song with anyone else before. So I decided to write it and stand the tune and so yeah. that it was common ground for us both. And I, I ended up deciding to write the song about the experience of writing a song with someone else, yeah. you know, like a paradigm of, you know, just try to learn and, and find common ground with someone else, like a stranger. Um, so that was what the song was called. Uh-huh. Was and it easy enough to find common ground or did, did you struggle at the start or whatever? Or was it easy enough to did it yeah. just kind of flow freely if you like? It was actually great, it was so easy <clears throat> and afterwards it was like a, a slight stress relief. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't know what to present it to and so I just tried to present that to her and it, <clears throat> it, it turned out a great song. Um, I pretty much wrote the majority of it and she's kind of got these different lines in between mine where she's wrote those lines mm-hmm. and you know split that up and, and publishing it and stuff and she wrote another song. I actually, you know, got a surprise because she then presented me with a song and an open tune. Uh, so I was like, I was trying to kind of get So that was great. And uh, I'll be doing a little bit of guitar work in that and I'll be getting, really? you know, a little share of that. So it's just nice to have these opportunities now where we can work together and project yeah. each other. And uh, yeah, I had another writing session as well since then and the song just kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't sure what to present. I was a little bit nervous. And uh, so yeah, with the collaborations and with all these new thoughts and inspirations and things going on in life, it just seems to be coming out now more so than ever. And uh, I'm now busier more so than ever, which is great, but I just, I need to always keep that like mantra of remembering to always come back to the music, to, to practice mm. and play and to yeah. write yeah. and to get these songs out whilst, whilst it's happening and mm. don't let busyness or social media or anything like. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you kind of have a, another job outside music? Are you kind of full-time with music? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I've always done bar work uh, to support that and uh, to support my, my music, but it's always been complicated. Like, last year I had to leave my bar job that I'd been at for like five, six months because I was going to play festivals. Yeah. They needed me every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I then spent seven months just playing off the back of music and, and festivals, and it was probably some one of the best summers of my life because of that, but yeah. I was completely skint the whole time. Uh-huh. Which was fine, you know, like, I, I had a great time and I can't believe I managed that and I was quite chuffed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like little bits of work, like bar work in between, but nothing substantial, you know. Yeah. And uh, I always knew it was going to pay off eventually. And, uh-huh. you know, for me, it's not about making it, it's about making a sustainable living, doing your passion and doing, doing what you love. And uh, so, yeah, the last month or two, I have been working in the Blue Arrow Jazz Club. Right, okay. Uh, my pal yeah. is the bar manager there. And uh, just as casual, you know, but that's not, it's going to be quieter now, so I won't be working there so much. It's quite a cool environment to be working as well. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like working in your yeah. average kind of bar and air. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. I suppose you'll be meeting kind of like-minded people in there as well. Uh, yeah. Well, what did many a bar in there, you know, it was even like, <laughs> assistant managing rabbies. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> Sunday on Sunday. I, <laughs> I, I was just before I left for Glasgow, really, yeah. and uh but yeah, it's great. Although it's casual, it's not an official job. It's just a good bit of extra cash to like, keep me afloat mm-hmm. whilst I'm waiting on invoices and pays for other gigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like you know, you're know you at a gig, and it's especially through the Celtic Connections, that's why I was so busy there. Yeah. 
uh, and I know a lot of the musicians that are there and I'm going to be playing there now again soon as well Brilliant. at the end of April uh, Callum Ingram uh, the boy that sings and plays cello mm-hmm. is doing a homecoming gig after his tour I saw you advertising that I'll do that on Facebook actually that mm-hmm. looks really yeah. so when I originally went in uh, I thought oh this would be great if they do folk music or anything else here but I thought it was just jazz oriented but it's nice to see the place open up now mm-hmm. through Celtic Connections and to finally get to, to play there mm-hmm. um yeah, so it's nice to have been able to work there and go there. But so you you came, you mentioned like kind of growing up in here, but you moved up to Glasgow. How when did you move up? When was that? Uh, about three years ago. Right. I came up to go to the Academy of Music and Sound. Right. right. Uh, in Glasgow, and I got through like the second year, um, before they told me that I couldn't get funding for the rest of the year, so I had to pretty much leave because. I would have had to pay like two grand or something. Oh, really? And that was because I'd been to air college before uh, in the past and uh, messed up, you know. I've, I've never been much for, for education. Like, I, I was the exact same as you. I went yeah. to air college, uh, HNC, and, uh, what was it, audio technology? Yeah, and all yeah, that. that, and that's what I've done. Did the NC in HNC? Right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, even though I'd, I'd never quite seen it through, like, I just was always so focused on the music that yeah. I was kind of distracted. But uh, going there opened me up to, like, being in Glasgow and meeting people and some of the people that I met in those first two years are still friends uh, and musicians that are smashing it right now. It's yeah. just nice to see everyone flourish. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, but I never actually got this place. This isn't the first flat that I've lived in uh, since March. So for the, like, the first two years, I stayed with my pal, I stayed elsewhere, I went, went to parties and floated around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah we'd stay for like a week or two and then go back to here and stay for a little bit and come back. Yeah. and. Uh, so it was, it was a slow progression, you yeah. know, every time I was yeah. here I was playing open mics and trying to meet people and network mm. and, and do a little bit of gigging, but I still hadn't fully formed myself yet, yeah. I was just kind of seeing what Glasgow, Glasgow was like and I actually started at the open mics in Southside, right. uh, so I feel like this, this place has been calling me here the whole time yeah. and now after two years like gigging furiously and building a name to the point where I'm finally here at this point. Um, it just feels nice to like have this environment. Uh, it's quite a communal place, as you can see. <laughs> We've got friends here all the time, consistently. I actually slept on that couch for the first two months of the year, uh, in the kitchen before <laughs> before the room o- opened up, because uh, Bryony moved her room into the living room to right. make it two. And uh-huh. um, yeah, it's nice. You know, I, I was crying out for this space the whole time at living in aid and never having my own place in Glasgow. Uh-huh. I was trying to write all the time, but wasn't sure how far I was, it was getting. So definitely having this first space and creating a homestead mm-hmm. uh, in Glasgow here, where Southside was calling me. Aye. And as you seem to have kind of built a wee community around you as well. Like there's always seems to be kind of someone at the at the yeah. flat and picking up guitars and yeah. No, so it's beautiful, you know. It's, it's something I could never never have dreamed of. Um, I've just written a song about it recently about uh, Daisy Street and and this crew and all these friends that formed and uh, like friends in, in this place certainly are like a main aspect the kind of backbone of something I'm trying to touch on um, and community is the main thing that I've discovered that I really want to uh, be a part of mm-hmm. now you know for so long I felt like I was writing internally and just trying to get my songs out but I wasn't even looking outward and uh, try to connect with other people as deeply and, and help other people mm-hmm. but in the last six months I opened up more so than ever and I've been helping people more so than ever and the more I'm helping people, like, you know, even if it's just setting up a gig or giving them some contacts, 
it just keeps coming back to me, you know, just good karma all the way. And I think, see, we were forwards. talking earlier on about, you're, you're, you know, you're more kind of productive with your songwriting. It sounds like that's exactly what it is, man. Yeah. You've just finally yeah. got up, you're settled and, you know, everything's, everything's yeah. kicking off for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Obviously, we're, we're from here, you're from here. It's brilliant to see you getting to do what you're doing. Um, but you came back and played the Burns, Burns Festival, didn't you? How was that? Yeah, that was great. It was actually um, my pal Campbell Montgomery. I don't know if you know him. He does the, the camera work. and uh, He's always posting videos and you know, flying over castles and stuff. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, he's trying to make a name for himself through photography anyway. And he came and recorded like my first Gathering South session, which I'll tell you about in a second. Yeah. Huh? And uh, But I've known him for years through there and he messaged me saying I gave his cousin. was the main coordinator there and uh, got me the gig, so I'm, I'm quite thankful for it. And... Uh, I love coming home for a gig, you know, when I, I mostly come home to visit my mum and everything, yeah. which is nice, but uh, coming home for a gig like that, it uh, was great, and uh, I'd never actually been in the museum before, uh-huh. or the, uh, the museum, Aye. Uh, and it was great, there was families everywhere, really nice, like, festive vibe, you felt proper Scottish, you know, <laughs> so, I, mean, I was like, just coming back from Glasgow to the West Coast. Was it the night, it was it Burns Elect, was it that night you played, aye? Uh, when the Burns Elect thing was on? I'm not sure. So I'm be Bobby Boyne, my, my wife acts like that, so I'm not expecting them about it because they were in and in yeah. about the museum and there was four planes. So it might have been. It's probably been yourself, yeah. <laughs> There was a few guys, big Highlanders, dressed guys playing uh-huh. drums, and uh-huh. there was uh, the Ball and Kayleigh band mm-hmm. who were amazing. They were complete gentlemen, uh-huh. proper, looked like great in all their tan trues and, and like proper <laughs> uh, gentleman like. And they treated you like gentlemen, and they were, there was their sound system, like they were the whole setup. Right. And then they just go on stage and rip out a big Kayleigh and get everyone dancing. <laughs> Can't be <coughs> Do you feel like you needed to, to leave there though to, to find, the kind of scene that you, you've always wanted to be part of? I'm, I'm presuming you didn't find much of a folk scene in here. Not entirely. There were some good aspects over the years, like uh, Sukasa, like mm-hmm. when I started playing acoustic guitar and playing like the first set of songs I ever wrote. Yeah. Um, that was great for a while, and you've obviously still got the acoustic bliss session. Um, I'm still good friends with Mark and Carol, yeah. and uh, it's great that they're continuing going. And whenever I do make it home to here, I try and go there and show up yeah. and play and see them. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like any place, there's there's, there's more of a scene and a network in, in the city, you know. Yeah, and uh, throughout my teen years, I was going back and forth for Glasgow all the time, going to gigs, and uh, the scene that I was into when I was a teenager wasn't really there anymore. And uh, yeah, the style I was trying to play wasn't. Mm-hmm quite there you know um, so I really had to come to the city and try find myself and uh, I've not still not travelled too much you know that's still the main goal is to eventually travel and play music but yeah. right now I'm just trying to like make a foundation so yeah. that I've got something to come back to you know and a name to take with me and music to take with me and uh, you know just hit the road eventually but slowly making that progression but I always want to remain rooted to air mm-hmm. and to always come back there and go walk along the beach and down the river there and um, down the, the river is uh, in particular is where I started writing like my first set of Flew the Arrow songs uh, that I recorded for my first EP and uh, it's still my favourite spot to go and sit and uh, take the dog down and oh, uh, right. just play if I can there are some great places just to go and like oh, lucky man, kind of, uh, <laughs> clear your head and uh, just take stuff in mm-hmm. kind of, but yeah uh, you mentioned the, your gathering gig yeah so uh, yeah it's a flat concert series and it's just something else that I tried to, you know, create. I found some time in, in between Flew the Arrow and try to find work in it and stuff. 
I played one with my friend Chris Blackmore. He runs Holy Smokes Records. Right. And uh, he's, he manages some Glasgow bands like Awkward Family Portraits and stuff. And he's someone I aspired to be connected with like a year or so ago and try and get gigs and stuff. Yeah. And we've ended up becoming good pals, which is great. Excellent. Until uh, recently, I stayed around the corner and he booked me to play a flat gig alongside like uh, Barry from Cassidy. Uh, oh, Barry yeah. yeah, and yeah. Stuff. yeah. So it was a good wee flat gig, but I was mm-hmm. quite nervous because I'd never done it before. and the intimacy is what you look for as an artist for, for what I'm doing anyway but when you're really presented with intimacy <laughs> sometimes it can make you shake like but it was great and then I always knew that I wanted to do one in here uh, because we've, we've many a party here in the past and, and caused a ruckus and I was like if we can do that then we can have a nice wholesome flat gig yeah. uh, my friend came back from America in September last year and she asked me to organise a wee gig I couldn't get a venue so then we were like what don't we just host a wee flat gig um, so we held it in here and although it's so technically a wee one bedroom flat we had like 50 people <laughs> and the people were sitting on top of people trying to cram the door in and it was honestly one of the most magic nights we've ever had like people still come up to me and say like that night was magic you know and it was just <laughs> yeah. like an energy lifted in the air and the, the musicians that played a band called the Moonlands who are just recording right now they're from Edinburgh and incredible that was just a really good experience so off the back of that my friend Gordon who was there asked me to organise one for his place and that's when I decided to do the Gathering South, like give it a name, try to create a bit of community. Yeah. Right. Uh, all the artists and people that I meet through Flew the Arrow has been feeding into it. And now Gathering South is starting to feed into Flew the Arrow. So I feel like I'm finally finding ground to create a foundation of music and community through my own songs, yeah. through opening up to other people and through networking and, and Southside. Now I'm trying to integrate it to Southside. And now I'm being presented with opportunities like collaborating with the Southside Fringe in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to mm-hmm. do a, fl- uh, a flat gig or two together, you know. Okay. Excellent. And uh, like, yeah, so they've been going really good, and all the artists that have played have been great. Um, I always make it the main aspect to like uh, make a nice wholesome meal. So all the host has to do is welcome people and uh, make some food. I'll bring in the musicians and uh, get my camera guy to do all the videos because I want the artists to walk away with their cut donations as well as a video. Yeah. Video content is very important and something I've always wanted myself and I'm mm-hmm. trying to get more live sessions done now. Aye. So that's quite a, an important aspect and I'm constantly sharing Aye. all these new videos. In this day and age as well, like in order to promote yourself you need that kind of content for, for yeah. like social media and the likes yeah. to kinda of get yourself out there. But just as you say, like going and creating the opportunities for yourself and putting these gigs on it must must feel quite special actually kind of when it's starting to take off definitely I mean I used to organise a couple of gigs in the air mm-hmm. uh, tried to create a little promotions company called Isle Events and just organised a couple of gigs and yeah. fell away from it for a while because I was just always what I focused on music Aye. but uh, I'm generally quite an organised and neat like person really like some of my pals would call me OCD but to me I'm just tiny <laughs> compared to them <laughs> but uh, I, just, I really just do love seeing things come together yeah. and mm-hmm. making something special happen and uh, just keep right now more than ever I feel on top of my game between mm-hmm. Flew the Arrow all the opportunities there everything that's going on with Gathering South I'm just going on to my fifth session and I want to take it up to my tenth and then try and get funding and yeah. upload everything to YouTube and do a big like website launch and, and you know take it that far and just make a nice network of music in Southside and make some nice things happen uh, I'm constantly getting people messaging me now asking me to play some people messaging asking to host mm-hmm. uh, which is great and uh, the one this Friday I'm really excited uh, there's a girl called Zoe Bestel who's playing yep. she got nominated for Best Acoustic at the, the Salmons 
she's come along. She's she's from Galloway, but she's gone back to Holland, where her partner's from, and her partner's going to be there on Friday playing with her. Uh, his name's Tobias Eloff. Right, mm. he's actually a world class ukulele player. Well, I, hey. I watched some of his videos the other day <laughs> there, and he's like sitting out in the mountains, just like playing the most beautiful ukulele music ever. So <laughs> I'm, I'm flabbergasted. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people coming from from all over the place to come and play in a small flat, cozy environment. Um, so I'm and feeling so much positivity from that, like the whole project. And, and you'll be able to feel that positivity on the night. There's something quite like amazing about being in a, an environment like that where you can just feed off the energy. It's sometimes it's kind of hard to read a room when you're playing slightly kind of bigger venues, but when you've when you've got everybody as you say on top of each other, you yeah. you can feed off that. Yeah, and everybody's there for the purpose to watch and yeah. take take the music in, and mm-hmm. you can see it a mile away. It's yeah. much better like when you go to do a gig. That, that you don't really know people or whatever sometimes some folk on the internet or whatever but it's something like that if you'll be like so yeah. just watch everybody's there for the same yeah. reason yeah, it's, it's just, just so much more intimate like that's what we need as a mm. folk artist and as a community mm-hmm. but the thing is like a music scene can't exist without small independent venues in the UK and they're all under fire right now yeah. from all those rules and regulations and, and fine and, and everything that's going on even places like Leith Depot where I played recently that's maybe closing down soon oh, really? going to get made hotels and student accommodation fucking hell they, they don't need any more of that mm, um, yeah. so I'm constantly trying to remind myself that we do need to keep music in there mm-hmm. but the environment that I'm creating I feel takes away tension and like you know anxiousness that some mm-hmm. people feel being out being like a, in a dark space with like loud okay. music and uh, you know it's just people feel a lot more comfortable so I want to try eventually find a way to bring it back into the, the live music scene, yeah. which is something I'm doing now. Uh, I've just took over, taken over an open mic night, and uh, I'm going to turn it into a session that I ran last year called Fleeting Bards, right. Songwriter Circle, and Open Stage. Um, so after the third session, which is next Tuesday, I'm going to turn it into that again. So now I can feed the flat culture into the gig culture, yeah. feed it into Flew the Arrow, and I've got that trio going on. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm <coughs> more busy now than ever and I'm just trying to, try to make it happen and mm-hmm. see if I can create a basis for, for something to grow. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing too much, but it's been pretty fun I th- so far. I think it sounds, I think it all sounds great. Like we, we spoke with a few people in the different pods and I think there's a lot of people years ago used to be like, I don't like that band, they're good. And you know, there was a lot of fucking moaning, but it seems to be like everybody's kind of coming together now because it is harder to run a venue to get gigs booked to get promoters everything to, to do it and everybody's kind of been a lot nicer to each yeah, other now yeah. I think and, I think and everybody realises it's a kind of use it or lose it situation aye. if we're not aye, if we're not going to see live music and going to the smaller venues they are just going to start to slowly just disappear and then we still need to fund that for yeah, sure you mm-hmm. know? exactly especially from working in, in the Blue Arrow and stuff and those guys own like the Hugging Pine it's mm-hmm. like two great you know, small venues in yeah. town. Uh-huh. Uh, we just need to find a way to support them and keep yeah. keep the music alive. But yeah. things like Celtic Connections definitely help it. Yeah, it gives a quite a nice big boost in like multiculture mm-hmm. to, um, you know, the kind of Celtic folk. Ah, the Celtic Connections is is brilliant. Like from the large scale events right down to like the, the kind of smaller kind of pop up events. It's it's there's just a real kind of buzzer in the city when it's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, just tell us then. You kind of touched on it, writing new material and stuff. What can we expect then from Flow the Arrow? Are you going to be releasing any more EPs? Are you looking what's what's happening? Yeah, so one thing I've always felt guilty about is that I haven't recorded enough. I've been like writing these songs and, and refining my skill over the last two years. I recorded my first EP, uh, If You'd Only Care to Listen, it was called, because at the time I was 
playing pubs and it was noisy and I just wanted people to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is something I'm finally refining now that we've just spoke about, but yeah. um, it was kind of empathetic towards like, if you feel like listening, you might gain something from this. Mm. And uh, so I released that independently myself. And uh, obviously- Did you record it yourself, Sony? No, I recorded with a guy called Esperi. Right. Uh, who I originally met through he come coming to play in Sucastle and that right. back in the day. Uh he lives in Dundee and he's got a little home studio but we only had a day and a half and uh I think I paid him like two hundred or something yeah. and that was like more money than, than I could even have had at the time. Yeah. And uh so I'm still really happy with it, but there's certain aspects that, you know, I, I wish it was more like I'd waited mm-hmm. and whatnot. But uh yeah, so since then I've not recorded, I've been gigging furiously and making my name that way. Um, last year was uh, really good uh, through signing to 23rd Precinct Music uh, Publishing. Yep, uh, they've been amazing so far and uh, we've got loads of big plans and uh, I just feel like part of the team there. I'm good friends with everyone. And then more recently I got signed to Electric Honey. Um, so just before that I'd started recording uh, with Luigi Pasquini yep. who mm-hmm. is, he runs Anchorlane Studios. Yeah, I know, but I know you are, eh? Yeah. I saw it's not oh, it's Ankerley Studios and Lo-Fi and uh, yeah so he does sound in Glad Cafe and he done the sound for me two years ago and it was great and I played again recently supporting a band called Horse Feathers and uh, he said I told him that I'm a bit skint but I'm looking to record and he said look you know I'm trying to fund the you know building my studio right now yeah. so he offered me a cheap deal and I was like right that's great I've got a gig this Sunday that's paying me like 150 quid and I'll just put that straight to you and just doing a two hour gig to pay for that just felt like nothing anyway I felt yeah. like I was getting it for free <laughs> you know what I mean but uh, so the recording went great and Luigi was a massive massive help and to the point where he's, he's passionate about it and he loves the music and he wants to see the project through he was willing to mix it for me for free and everything that's and amazing was, I know he's, yeah. he's a top lad and like he just loves the music and if he's passionate about your songs he will help you uh-huh. and uh, soon after that I then got the signing with Electric Honey and now we've got the projects for these uh, releases coming soon. Uh, they've in- eventually covered all the, the recording and mixing for you anyway. Well. So, so he's got money in his pocket. Yeah. And they're talking about making a creative collaboration so he can record students um, and maybe keep some frequent on the go or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know. But now I'm starting to see this dream team come together, which yeah. I'm quite taken back by. And it doesn't feel like it's even happened yet, you know. Because uh-huh. the director of uh, Electric Honey... Is actually signed by Twenty Third as well. Uh, Ken, he used to play in a band called the Bluebells. Yep. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So he's been running that for years. He started Electric Honey and uh, they recorded Bell and Sebastian back in the day. And yeah. They recorded Biffy Clyro and Snow Patrol and stuff. Right. And more recently, like Glasgow bands like uh, Harry and the Hendersons, who are two of the members are coming to play at the Gathering South on Friday. Amazing. Um, I'm just really happy to be pals with those guys now. They're, they're a great band and. Uh, Fuck, crikey. Lost what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a date for when you're bringing anything out or are you still just wanting to uh, get it finished kind of thing just now? Yeah, so we've just finished the recordings and they're going off to Masson soon. Uh, I've got the artwork there and my friend Andrew Green who plays in Edinburgh by the name Bunt Paw uh, helped me do. Well, he done it for me because he does beautiful illustrations that yeah. he, he hands out at gigs. Uh, and now they're going to be released hopefully the end of February, the beginning of March. Super, super, yeah, super. It's, it sounds again like just there's a it's like a, a community that's mm-hmm. that's trying to push each other on and like yeah. give each other opportunities that's, that's which isn't really in here then no. which is which is obviously a good thing you've kind of moved up here and did what you did because obviously I see that I still live in here and 
played in bands for years and it's there's nothing man there's no really you try and get a kind of net with what she did in Sukasa you try and get stuff like that going and it's just hard to keep getting people to come out and that's yeah. it's just not as easy then doing where we small are town uh, and, but that's that goes like bigger than the artists that's the, like people no giving like licenses for but you know for bigger gigs and whatever it is there's yeah. loads of that happened as well so yeah you've not seen that up here which is great man yeah. it's a travesty you know and obviously you've got a better chance at it in a city. Mm-hmm. But these days, I've seen people are actually doing small town tours mm-hmm. because it's actually really easy to come to a city and get lost in the sound and yeah. not be able to, you know, be successful with a gig. And uh, <clears throat> I was supporting a girl called Macy Peters. She was doing, I think, on uh, Loud and Libraries. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd done, uh, like, two or three dates supporting her and she was going to, like, she'd done Irvine Library. So I got off the train and, like, I hadn't been to Irvine in years and I was <laughs> walking through the shopping centre uh, mm-hmm. to go through up to this wee, like, library next to the pub and, uh, <laughs> and play to, like, a That must have been a cool gig. Yeah, it was good. It was, like, mostly young people and their parents, obviously, but it was, like, just nice to be there and play and mm-hmm. to be playing that environment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the guy that started that, like, he started off... Uh, with like um, Ed Sheeran and uh, Adele and stuff right, well. they played Loudon Libraries like 10 years ago and stuff um, so yeah it was good so people are trying to actually hit the small towns now and bring right. the music to the towns because that's where you you can actually really tune into um, you know sub- subculture of listeners aye excellent mm-hmm. um, I think that's uh, More a good place to wrap it mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you're happy yeah, it's been, it's been a great week. Yeah, cheers for having me on. Yeah. Thanks very much for having us. Much yeah, appreciated. It's a pleasure. Cheers, man.